Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. The go-ahead field goal attempt with 2.40 on the clock. Good snap. The hold is down. Gay strikes it right down the middle. 27-24 with 2.36 remaining. The Rams have a field goal lead, and they'll trust their defense against Tom Brady. Brady back to throw. He spins it down the right side and intercepted. Intercepted by Fuller at the 30. His second of the game. He takes a knee, and that should do it for Monday Night Football. The rookie with two picks in Tampa Bay. The Rams beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-24. You always like to beat your old team. And Matt Gay, the former U kicker, did it. He was a buck for a while. Now he's not. He's a Ram. And he made the go-ahead field goal with 2.36 to go to give the Rams the win. Tampa Bay drops to 7-4. They got four losses. The Saints have two, and the Saints have the tiebreaker. So, you want to say, kiss the NFC South division goodbye? Saints have, a, it looks like, the easier schedule, too. So, Saints ought to win that. Tampa Bay, get better, keep improving, and try to be good in the playoffs because that's what really matters. Rams tie Seattle for the top spot in the NFC West. They are both 7-3. and three. The Cardinals are 6-4. and four. The Rams' defense remaining elite. There aren't uh, a long list of teams that have held opponents under 200 points this year in the NFC. As a matter of fact, there's one. It's the Rams. Fewest points allowed in the conference and in the league, only the Steelers and the Ravens compare. So that Ram defense, keep riding it. 7-3 and three through 10 games. That was a nice win for them to pick that up. And as for Tom Brady, well... I guess you're not underthrowing those picks. It's a lack of arm strength. Silver lining. Nine picks now. Now, I think it compares like three in New England at this time last year. So, picks are up, and that's a problem. Good news for the Bucs is Jameis Winston threw 30 last year. So, picks are down. No wonder they're a better team. Turnovers is massive. And Brady's got to knock it off. As you could tell from his body language on the sideline after he overthrew that pass down the middle. But it wasn't a lack of arm strength, Tom. You got that going for you. Unless Riley comes on tomorrow and tells me it was lack of arm strength that he's heaving it down the middle and he's not accurate because he lacks arm strength. I guess you could spin that, but we'll discuss that with Riley when he gets here. All right, uh, so the other NFL news, not really surprising with Joe Burrow. I suspect it's, it's much worse because they didn't tell us, but uh, we knew he tore the ACL. Uh, they said he tore the MCL. If you saw the two guys falling into his leg while well, they were all locked up and Grappling, wrestling, holding. <laughs> you knew it. You knew it was worse, but they don't say how it's worse. There's another ligament in there, the posterior cruciate ligament. If he tore that, well, there's also you could longer do rehab. The there's a tendon in there that can be torn. It's all kinds I assume of, there's torn cartilage. Well, they said there's other structural issues. So, are they? Is is it a blood supply thing? Because if you start tearing the veins open and that's spaghetti in there, meniscus that's meniscus damaged. Yeah. Well, the meniscus. I mean, I just take that as, yes, there's meniscus damage. I assume there's cartilage damage in there. I am a doctor, and I play one on the radio. 
Uh, but if it messes up the blood supply, that's when they start talking about amputation. That was uh, when they were everyone was so horrified by the uh, the UCF quarterback, whose name I am now currently blanking on. Although he he's almost ready to play. It's been two years. Dylan Gabriel. Thank you. I was talking about Dylan Gabriel, Mackenzie Milton. Dylan Gabriel's the starter right now. It's Mackenzie Milton who's coming back. I'm glad you're here to sort that out for me. Uh, I hope Joe Burrow isn't gone for two years, obviously. Uh, they did not say he's out for the season, but they didn't say how I mean, that was obvious. But they didn't say, you know, when will he be ready next year? Start a season, midseason, how will that work? Uh, NFL is your new guidance Monday for operations amidst the coronavirus pandemic, most notably making it a requirement for players to wear masks on the sideline unless they have their helmet on and are preparing to enter the game. New protocols will take effect week 12 against Thursday. They are really worried about spread. Said this before, Mark Harlan told his Pac-12 football game is worth $5 million. What is an NFL game with? Especially a primetime NFL game. You're seeing these outbreaks in other sports. We're about to get to that later. And the NFL, they've had issues, but it could have been way worse. And clearly, they are just hoping they can get in six more weeks of this season. So about, it was two weeks ago, I think, that they issued new guidelines as far as facilities, training facilities, practices, and all that. Now they're ratcheting up what they're doing during games. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. There was an excitement about you know the week that had, that had, that had led up to the game and the opportunity that was in front of us and uh, you know we're competitors and I that is that is the reason why you know we have things set up the way that they're set up um, you know football coaches are not doctors and some of us might think that uh, th- that we are but uh, there's uh, you know there's a reason why uh, the, those those advisors and and uh, are able to make the decisions. It's Mike Norvell right there, the Florida State football coach. I think he's talking to me. You think you're a doctor, don't you? The ongoing dialogue. Is that what it is? Dialogue? Petty arguments? You're getting better? That's warmer? Yeah. Uh, Clemson and Florida State back and forth. Dabo Sweeney, his team had gone down there to Florida State, and he was ticked. And he said they just didn't want to take the L. His guys were ready to go. And there's Mike Norrell saying, no, no, the docs called it. What he's really saying is, shut up, Dabo. Nobody likes you. You don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. If we could really know who was tight and where the real rivalries were, the stuff that was said behind closed closed doors and on the recruiting trail, that would be so entertaining. That'd be great. Yeah, we don't get it. We just get little outbursts like this, which kind of give you a hint of uh, what it is like behind the scenes. Uh, the University of Maryland resuming practices after their COVID-19 cases subsided. The Terrapins had the last two games against Michigan State and Ohio State uh, canceled. Head coach Mike Loxley tested positive last week. He remains in self-isolation while working remotely. Get coaches and kids on Zoom calls and yell at them there. How does that work? You know, the Big Ten has that rule that you've got to play, uh, I think it's six of the eight games to be in the Big Ten title game. Does anybody think that if Ohio State is at 5-0, and they're going to keep them out of the Big Ten title game? Well, the debate's going right now with Wisconsin. I know that loss against Northwestern. Kind Take of, some of the steam out of it. But there were a lot of people talking about them. Yeah, so, but right. Nor- Northwestern is 5-0 and now, and that was an issue. I just, I just don't think it is after Northwestern wins that game. And Northwestern with Michigan State, Minnesota, and Illinois down the stretch, that's not the toughest stretch you're going to face. I don't think they're losing two of those three. Eight no Wildcats? Yeah, you would think, right? 
Uh, Illinois and Minnesota are both uh, two and three, so that's not the the toughest stretch. Uh, Michigan State's one and three, so not a tough stretch there. I mean, they, they could mess up one game and they'd still have the tiebreaker on Wisconsin if they played the same number of games and were tied. So, all right, DJ and PK. Oh wait, one other thing: college football tonight, and we'll talk about this later in the show. But tonight, the selection committee uh, debuts its rankings. Now, there's speculation that BYU and Cincinnati, you know, might need to play each other, right? They might need to pump each other's numbers up. Okay, I'm going to assume that this is all teed up behind the scenes, that Tom Holmo's not down there taking long naps. So, I'm assuming this is teed up, and what they both have to do, like great actors, is figure out what their motivation is. What is my motivation? And if somebody finds out they're seventh, they've probably already talked, yeah, the end of seventh, uh, my motivation is going to be lacking. I can be like the guy who won the lottery. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm going to the beach. I have other plans. I don't. I just won the lottery. I'm going to the beach. But if they are both, uh, <clears throat> shall we say, a little less fortunate and are like 12 and 14, you know, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen with the teams that haven't played many games? Wisconsin has played three games. USC has played three games. Are they behind these teams? Are they in front of these teams? How is the committee going to handle this? I mean, we can all sit here and guess, but we have no idea. We know what we think we would do if we were in the room, but what does the rest of the room want to do? And how is this going to play out for BYU and Cincinnati? I think we've all gotten comfortable with the fact, well, BYU's eighth, because that's what they've been. That's the neighborhood they've been in in the media polls. They've crept up a little bit the last few weeks, but kind of hit the wall there because the seven teams in front of them aren't losing much. And when they do, Columbus has not fallen far if they lose in Double overtime on the road, undefeated Notre Dame without their starting quarterback. They're not going to take that big a hit. So, but we'll have to see if the selection committee thinks the same thing. My guess is it's all teed up. And if you see a number that really disappoints you for BYU, then look immediately to see if there's a number that really would disappoint Cincinnati fans because that's why the game plays. They've got the day. They must have talked. They must have had this pretty teed up. The question is, do they really want to do it? You know, as Kalani told Tom, I don't care if we are seven. I want to play those guys. I've seen them on film. That's the thing. They've had time to tee this up. They have seen them on film. I think think we win by three touchdowns. Let's go. Let's go win by 20 and impress everybody. Let's go smoke those guys. You know, with the game being Provo, with the game being Cincinnati, what would happen? I assume that's all teed up behind the scenes when we get an announcement Wednesday or Thursday, depending on what we see tonight. I don't know that, but I assume it. And Yak isn't telling me I'm a moron right now, which, by the way, a lot of people live to do. They really do. I think your points are very valid. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Did you feel like the Clippers wanted you? Um, I mean, that, that goes, uh, <laughs> goes without saying, whether, um, you know, uh, apparently not if I'm, you know, on the other side. Montrez Harrell. Direct question. Get a little Clipper LA back and forth. Clipper Lakers going back and forth there in, in uh, LA. Did the Clippers want you? Apparently not if I'm on the, on the other side. So it is what it is, really. Of course, I still have great respect for those guys in that organization. But like I said, as far as they want to be back, obviously it doesn't seem that way, does it? No. They wanted Serge Ibaka. You know, the way things play out, it looked like the Clippers lost. Now what can they do? Now, in retrospect... They wanted Serge Ibaka all along. Did they not want Montrez Harrell, or did they just want Serge Ibaka more? Did Kawhi Leonard want Serge Ibaka more because he's his guy and he won a championship with him? 
And they want to keep Kawhi Leonard happy. That's what I suspect. DeMarcus Cousins. Free agency's kind of trailing off if we're down to DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins, who's coming back from a torn torn quad and an ACL tear, uh, following an Achilles tendon rupture in 2018. He had the quad and the ACL in 2019. So he's going to try again. Uh, we were just peeking. I was just talking about this yesterday, about lower body injuries and big guys. Or maybe it was last week. It was because of Adoko. Of Adoko. Doke getting drafted. Uh, by the Jazz. He'd had a lot of injuries, but PK said, yeah, but at least they're hand injuries, not weight-bearing stuff, you know, hips, knees, feet. That's when you really start freaking out and think they're going to be repetitive. The hand stuff is kind of trauma. It's an accident. You get your hand caught in a jersey running in a pick or something. The assistant, yeah, he said it was caught up in a jersey. Yep. Golden State Warriors forward Kelly Oubre Jr. took a shot at the Suns. <laughs> it's like, ha-ha. <laughs> I got this new team. I got Steph Curry's got my back now. I'm going to do some talking. Booker, you're a good player. but And it wasn't really about the players. It was about the ownership. He says, I can play for an owner, somebody who actually cares about the organization, and not just the perception of the organization on the media end of it. It's all about the foundation for me, man. You have a big, beautiful foundation. You can build a big, beautiful future. You know, the Millers on the team here for 35 years, so you didn't really have to live the agony with the Jazz. Now, maybe you root for another team out of town, so you did, but when you root for bad ownership, you know, there is good ownership and bad ownership. And when when I was living in Southern California, and I would complain about San Diego owners, a friend of mine, who's a Dodger and Laker fan, I always care about the owners, it's about the star players, it's about the... And then he got on the phone with me after about, you know, the, the got into the uh, Fox era, the Rupert Murdoch era, he's like, Wow, I get what you mean about owners. Holy cow, we get some good players, but you can't overcome this. And it gives me my lecture back to me about bad ownership. You haven't lived it here with the Jazz. Maybe you've lived it with another team, but holy cow. You know, the thing is, like, if you have a bad coach or a bad GM, that fixes itself after three or four years. But if you're rooting for the Washington football team and you're stuck with a bad owner for 20 or 25 years and he's young and healthy and there's no end in sight, it's pretty frustrating. Pelicans got Steven Adams a two-year contract worth $35 million after acquiring him in a trade over the weekend. Adams was entering the final year of his deal. Uh, that's nice for New Orleans. I don't think they have enough to get into the, uh, the area the Jazz are going to be in. It definitely continues to weaken the Oklahoma City team. They went through a lot of changes. Not much was expected of it. And they had a good 2019. Now, a lot of changes. Not much expected of them. I don't think they can pull the magic off again in 2020. But I was wrong about them last year, so what do I know? I want to know what uh, Gilgis Alexander's thinking there. Well, what is he thinking? Looking around like, well, I'm the man. <laughs> Are there enough other guys who are ready to ride with me? <laughs> I can be doing this by myself. How's this going to work? DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Youth men's basketball program. You probably saw this coming. Their season over against New, or- uh, New Orleans is uh, not happening. Multiple positive tests for COVID inside the program. Head coach Lloyd Kristoviak uh, went on his radio show and said he tested positive. He said eight players are positive. He said five guys live together in one place. Three guys live together in another, which brings up the issue, as teammates often do when they're rooming together, you know, is practice really the problem? You can say that practice and games aren't safe and that traveling isn't safe, and uh, those may all be strong points, but if guys are living together under one roof, uh, 
that could be a problem right there if one of them gets it, as uh, as you see with the Utes, and eight players out. Women's program also has paused team activities, and their two season opening games against Southern Utah and UVU have been canceled as well. And I saw a report yesterday that now we're getting close to like 40 teams out of 350 nationally are pausing it. We're seeing multiple high-profile coaches saying, what are we doing? Stick, Do what football did. Learn from football. Don't play non-conference games. Don't fly all over the country for a check. And football largely didn't play non-conference games. There, there were a handful of them. Obviously, BYU did as an independent. And there were a handful of them. But most of the Power Five said no. Clemson, or uh, the ACC played one home non-conference game. That was it. One game, and you can pay for the other team's testing to make sure they test the way you want. Uh, with basketball, you know, their coaches saying, uh, we've seen multiple coaches, well, we've seen Larry come out and say, what about May Madness, which makes sense to me. But I'm the one who's been saying, push the college football playoffs back for three weeks and get more games in. Even in the SEC, play an 11th or 12th game. And obviously for the, the leagues that are playing uh, seven or eight games, uh, get more games in. But it's not happening. But in basketball, the NCAA is actually in charge. There's actually one person that had to make a unified decision at the top. Come on, NCAA, give them more weeks to play out their games because there are going to be games that aren't played. And it seems pretty logical that the non-conference schedules ought to boil down to drivable games. And I realize that is much easier if you're in California or Texas. And I suppose when you're in the Northeast and the Upper Midwest, there's a bunch of schools you know, right around you. You know, in the Eastern Time Zone, there's just so many more people, there's more schools. But getting on a commercial airplane, I saw multiple coaches mention that. You know, flying commercial, and it's not just the flight. It's in and out of the airports and all that. Whereas if you get on a team bus at the school and drive your 60 minutes to a game, play it and drive back, there's a lot less exposure, a lot well, less risk. You saw BYU. Their exposure was on their trip to Navy and back from Navy. Yeah. And, and who do you cross paths with when you travel? And I think football's safer than basketball because you're in a charter plane. So that's one Typically, thing. Yes. But you're still going through an airport terminal. Now you're probably not sitting waiting in it for no, an hour after you clear security. Right on the exactly. So I think that, uh, yes. And I've wondered, you know, because I, I guess you can be spreading it a couple of days or four days before you test positive. So maybe they had a guy in that situation on the trip. Um, yeah, but college basketball will do what it will do, and logic may or may not reign supreme. But we're seeing high-profile coaches come out. You assume they're talking to universities, and season starts tomorrow. Well, portions of the season start tomorrow. We've seen so many games, so many games canceled already. BYU and Utah State are planning on starting tomorrow. Yes, BYU's got New Orleans was coming for two games, and now they're coming for one. Unless mm-hmm. they can pick up another game while they're here, saw people tweeting about pick up UVU. Does UVU want to do that? UVU plays tomorrow at Stanford, actually. All right, there you go. That is What is Trending, brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener in Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, the Utah Jazz. The NBA odds are out. Where does the league stand right now? PK and I will get to that next. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver at 8.05. Kyle Whittingham is holding his media availability today. We will hear from him about 8.30. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. Number one. The 
Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to take a minute and talk jazz basketball. To look forward, PK, you can't wait for the schedule, can you? You love yourself some schedules. (laughs) I think the schedule and the pro ranks, particularly in the NBA, maybe football is a little bit different in the NFL, but baseball and... uh, the NBA is like, well, who gives a crap, man? You're going to play everybody in these twice. <laughs> Newsflash! <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I get the back-to-backs and all that stuff, but they've gone to lengths to eliminate them and these outrageous trips because it's hard to be 100% when you're flying in five cities and or four cities in five days, whatever it might be. But in the end, the great thing about it when you get to the postseason is that everybody's had the same schedule. So all that stuff that per- pertained for the prior months is out the window. But the great thing about the Jazz this year is that of all the years, the scheduling really to me doesn't matter because you know we've dealt with the team having to grow a little bit. And I think we as fans – you always kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit. Oh, we're young. We got to get experience. Like, oh man, you know, I want my team to be veteran savvy and ready to go and experienced. And, you know, when they change coaches, it's like, oh, you got to wait a couple years to de- develop it, particularly at the college level. But the Jazz this year, when they hit training camp here soon, this just screams veteran, veteran all the way through. Well, all the way through. I think it does. The rotation, yeah, all the way okay. through. Uh, I'll give you a, There's enough key parts of rotation, even if one of the you know, some of the young guys end up in it. I think there's enough young guys. I don't want to say they're an old team because the young, you know, you got guys who are in the early third of the career, the middle third, and the last third. And those guys in the last third, the vets, when it's winning time, they make, they're the ones who usually make the big plays. The Jazz have an exception and that Mitchell can do that for them. But it's the guys in the young third who improve and make the team better, and they have those guys. But I think the point you're building up to is there's enough of a veteran core here that they, they could, should, and need to get off to a good start. That's imperative. There's no reason why not. And see, I don't really think they have anybody in the – beginning third who will make contributions. Now you're going to say, well, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. All right. Uh, chronologically, you got a case there. But the fact that he was force-fed as a rookie, going into his fourth year now, he to me, even though fourth year is still fairly unchronologically, if you build it up, say he just has a 12-year career, obviously that he's would be first the, yeah. the first third. I understand that. But I think he's unusual in that sense in that he was the man from day one. And he, you know, the, and I remember scratching our heads thinking, <laughs> what the heck's going on here? Are these one of 11s and two for 20 or whatever it is? But it goes to show you they know more than we do. And so he's so much more advanced. And we saw that in Orlando last season. 
that even though he's still only 24, he's still chronologically in it, his game is beyond that. So that's why I think this is such a veteran ball club, because your youngest guy, in a sense, is your most experienced clutch guy. You know, I realize Conley has been there and Bogdanovich to an extent. They've got some clutch about them. We've seen them hit big shots. Bogdanovich, two game winners off the top of my head this past season. So, yeah, for sure. But Mitchell, man, you know, and he probably to an extent took over because Bogdanovich wasn't there in Orlando. But I don't view him as that traditional first third of his career. I believe that he's approaching a prime that might be able to extend a little bit longer than we have seen from some guys. But if you look at the great ones, that's exactly what they've done. And you go across the rest of the roster. uh, Bogdanovich is in his 30s now. Uh, Joe is in his 30s. Rudy's in his prime at uh, 28. I mean, he he is right in the wheelhouse. Jordan Clarkson is right there with him. So right. there's um, there's some veteran guys here, and they they should be good right away. And the whole, you know, bringing Conley in and all the changes with him, it didn't it didn't work early, and then he got hurt. But I thought from late February on, he was really good. So I expect him to be really good right out of the gate. So to your point, this is a team built for a fast start. That makes that makes complete sense to me. This is a team built for a fast start. And I think it's important when the West is just, you can argue that the West is as competitive as ever. You know, because in the last few years, excepting last year, it was all about chasing Golden State. Mm-hmm. And, and I get that. And they were uncatchable uh, to a good portion. Well, through it, it's funny how we expected, oh, man, how many titles are they going to win? And, they, you know, they certainly won when they went three. Yeah. And there's not, that's nothing to sneeze at. But it's not like they won... Eight. You know, eight in a row or <laughs> right. any of that stuff that never did happen, and it's you know go you have to go back to the Celtics way back when before that became to pass, and so there's no question the Lakers are the team to catch this year, and it's going to be awfully difficult, but in my mind, there's no reason now after that Clipper collapse was just highly disappointing. Why in the world the Jazz can't be shooting for that second-best record? And who knows with the Lakers if they have an injury or two. And you can factor that into just about everybody if you have an injury or two. But the Clippers, I mean, last season they sat Kawhi Leonard a bunch. There's no reason to think they're not going to do that this year. So they're catchable. So I'm thinking as I dope it out, why can't they be number two in the West? Denver took a hit. They lost, guys. They did. Yeah, they did. I mean, they, they they got their core, the the absolute totally. They got the two best players. Nucleus. <laughs> they got yeah. they got those two, but I think the guys they yeah. lost matter. And they're very young. You talk about guys being in the first third of their careers. I mean, you yep. can argue that for Denver. Yeah. And then they got some role players back, but yeah, they're missing two or three guys, and we'll see what happens with Porter. How much he develops? What about last year was basically his rookie season. What about Houston? Up, down, or sideways with those guys? Are they just going to break this thing up mid season? It, it feels to me like. Guys are done and checking out, and the the glory days is over. You know, sometimes a new GM and a new coach it can give you a new direction, but this feels like a very new direction. I mean, Harden hasn't come out and said, "I'm really dying to be in Houston." What are all these stupid stories about me leaving? <laughs> we haven't well, heard that you know, from him. Actually, he screamed the opposite. He turned down fifty million a year. Yep. So. Oklahoma City has clearly made a gazillion changes. They've moved a lot of good players. 
So they're taking a hit. Um, Dallas should be yeah. up. Portland should be way up. Portland way up with Nurkic. They were they okay, were three, way up two years way ago. up compared to where they were last year. Right. Yeah. Way up compared to the way they were the year before. Back back to where they were two years ago, where they were the three seed, and and that's good. They were good. Right. But if we're talking who's going to be two, I think Portland is in the mix for that. They were three two years ago, and they should be who they were two years ago. Right. Okay. And I I've got no problem with that. But I but way up compared to the way they were two years ago. No, I got them way up to where they were last year, back to where they were two, year, two years ago. Of course, ago. yeah. But that doesn't scare me. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't disrespect them. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I mean, I definitely respect them, and I think they're they're a quality ball club. And if I'm Portland, I'm thinking, sure, yeah. If I'm up in Portland and, and I'm, I'm there every day and a media member, I probably overvalue the guys like I tend to do here locally. I mean, it's a little bit of a flaw of mine. I do tend to it's everybody's uh, overvalue flaw. them. It's everybody's uh, flaw. That's a very common thing. So I, I, if I'm – there i'm probably thinking sure why can't we be that way and i've got no problem with that but i put the jazz in the mix there too portland it doesn't like oh they don't overwhelm me relative to the the jazz roster agreed i don't know anyone's overwhelmed that's why the jazz are in the mix for two denver despite their losses is in the mix you know they're they're two young their two best players are young and were very good last year and who's to say that they didn't improve you know we're we're sitting here again we look at our guys in our backyard and say donovan was very good and he could be better well, okay, I can say the same thing about Denver's top two players, if I'm being honest. But I think Portland's in the mix. I don't want to discount the Warriors from the mix. I think that they lost too much with the Achilles injury, but I'm not sure. And I think the Clippers are in the mix. Houston and Oklahoma City, no. I don't think I want to elevate Dallas that much. Well, Porzingis being out right. at the start, as right. they said, you know, what do you got going there? But the thing about it is, well, you may not elevate them overall based on a 72-game schedule, but on a given night, you even throw Phoenix in there, they're going to be a much tougher team to defeat than they have been. Probably over the course of 72, no. Although, man, I'm listening to Phoenix Radio when I go to the gym. I've said that a bunch of times. They're talking those guys up big time. <laughs> and I mean, whoa, whoa, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit here because, you know, that some guys accumulate stats just because they play 38 minutes a game. And I, Booker's a player, but I'm more looking at Aiton. How good is Aiton? You know, he can put up some stats, but, you know, in terms of winning, they went out in the first round when he was at Arizona. And haven't made the playoffs, not that it's solely his fault. But I just wonder how much of his – he can put up stats, but how much of a winner is that kid? That's what – that remains to be seen. But they should be a, a tougher out on any given night when you have to play them. So that could – that's going to make it tougher. I don't know that there's going to be as many cupcakes in the conference as there used to be. But when I look at a team like Denver and even Portland to an extent, those guys – you know, they're they've been there, and they're they've been together for a while. Where the Jazz, you know, they they incorporated three of their top six. Three of them were brand new last year. Well, now they'll have some more familiarity, and so to me, that should allow them to be a little bit better. Whereas Denver, the nucleus, this is going to be at least their third season going together. So can I count on – I can count on individuals getting better for sure, but I think that I can count on the Jazz a little bit more just based off the familiarity and even a a critical component that you bring in like uh, favors. Well, 
Familiarity. He, just, uh, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he took off last year. But he, whatever from day one, the concepts that Quinn Snyder is teaching, he's going to say, yeah, I understand. I, I, that's what I did the prior years outside of last year. So uh, Sunday night, Monday morning at 3 a.m., one of those PR sites that reps the offshore betting places sent me an email with over-under totals for NBA teams. Now it's 72 games, not 82. So you got to kind of think what your normal – number would be for a team, and then subtract five or six, right? Maybe seven, depending. Uh, the Lakers are the favorite uh, in the West. They have the highest over-under win total. They set it at 47.5, which you take the later Lakers over-under on that. Okay, so that would translate to 57? And that would be 10 if they won all 10 of the 10. So they wouldn't. They'd probably win seven of them, right? If you win seven out of 10, you're pretty good in the NBA. So it would translate to 54.5. And I would take okay, the. I would I have take the, the Lakers over. in a regular season, in my mind, came to fifty-five. Well, then you take the over. Really, what you do is that's too close. You wouldn't bet it. <laughs> that's too good because you're looking for the ones where it's just a total sucker bet, and you're looking to jump in and win. You, they pretty much nailed the number as far as you're concerned. I would probably take them over. Uh, Clippers, they have at forty-six. Uh, that's probably fifty-two uh, or fifty-three wins. Uh, new coach. New players, a lot of what you're talking about with the Jazz a year ago, you can see about the Clippers this year, especially with uh, Montrez Harrell out. That's a significant loss, but bringing in Serge Ibaka could be a significant addition, but you got to let people settle in. And I think people always underestimate how little Kawhi Leonard's going to play. Yeah, I think it's clear that part of the deal with him coming to the Clippers is he got to call his shots. And that irritated teams, and that was why they had chemistry. I think that, Irrita- was a level of irritated teammates, there. yeah. And that caused chemistry yeah. issues. And that's why one of the hidden pluses of their changes, both players and coach, is maybe some of that will go away. And uh, people come in, Serge Ibaka will come in and go, Yeah, I know what the deal is. Uh, Denver. Uh, sure. Go ahead. Denver's next at 44.5. So that would translate to probably about 50 or 51 wins. I would. I would Probably take the Nuggets over on that. Close call, but I would take I them over. I probably would, too, especially if I'm not betting money. It's much easier for me to say. Right, exactly. Uh, they have Dallas at 43.5. That seems high. I would probably go under on that. Porzingis is not even going to be working out until January 1st, so I'm figuring he's not playing until mid or late January. So that's a month? Yeah. Month of a congested schedule. That's not going to be a nine-game month. That's going to be, they're not taking time off this year. They're getting games in. So that's 14 or 15 games. I guess I'd have to see who those opponents are. Sure. Because Doncic is a superstar. And so what can he do? They have and, the, you know, they, they have the he j- can carry them, depending on the competition. They have the Jazz at 41. So that translates to low. 46 or 47. I don't like that, man. Why would they? Why would they not, under a regular circumstance, be a fifty-one team? I agree. I would take the over, and I would take the over on the Warriors, who are at forty, because that's the thing. I think the Warriors can go out and win fifty games in an eighty-two game season. But I'm also aware that that by two or three games could separate you from second or third place and turn you into fifth or sixth. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the uh, way it should be. But anyway, yeah, yeah. They have Portland over under at thirty-nine. Yeah, see, I'm not as high on Portland as you are. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, they have Houston at 38. You're betting on whether the Rockets move. If the Rockets keep their team, they ought to be able to get there. But I'm just not convinced that they aren't going to tear that team apart midseason. Remember when the Jazz traded Darren Williams? If you go back and look at that season, their win percentage before and after that trade, night and day. <laughs> night and day. And I think Houston could be for the same thing. So if you think they're going to move hard in this year, you got to take the under. Did you see that uh, in the Monday uh, Sunday night game, the Raiders yelled out a play that, that that had James Harden's name in it? Yeah, that's uh, so. Apparently, people were breaking that down. They had several NBA players as yeah. key, and it was run left, run right, and they had left-handed and right-handed players. I'm like, wow! So everybody knows who's left-handed and who's right-handed. I mean, I would think a lot of guys are sports fans, so a lot of guys know, but I wouldn't know that everybody would know. And Harden's easier, but they had like four names, and they weren't oh, all as big as stars as Harden. Yeah. Well, well, wait a second here. Who's everybody? If that's your job on the offensive line and you don't know then you memorize it. Is, well, yeah. you, you better learn it. <laughs> <laughs> you better memorize it. Yes. But is it too easy for the other team to figure out? Because the media figured it out. Maybe not in the course of a game, though, if you're using different uh, Yeah, in the moment, you're going to figure it out at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. They can't use it now, right. though. <laughs> they can't use it now that everybody's written about it and tweeted about it. Right. Well, that's why you go Conley, because he can shoot either hand, and you really throw him off, then they're not sure. Good point. Solid, PK. <laughs> that's how we won that horse contest that we all watched when there were no games. How much our lives have changed in a few months. You know, all of a sudden we have the NBA draft, NBA free agency, and a big weekend of football all at the same time. That was too much. Yeah, I'm overloaded here. Smartphone too. Uh, all right, we got to take a break. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Tonight, 5 o'clock, ESPN has the first of their made-for-TV shows. It's not a documentary. I guess it's self-promotional. Informative, possibly. The selection committee can do whatever it wants. So their first rankings tonight will tell BYU fans where they are and where they fit, but they have the chance to change down the road because the selection committee thinks so. So where are they going to put BYU? And where are they going to put Cincinnati? They are 7-8, and eight, Cincinnati 7, BYU 8 in the media poll, and we've kind of been resting on that, counting on that, and i got to say... I'm surprised BYU's gotten this much mileage out of this schedule. They've won every game. They've won most of them by a lot. Houston, that was a tight game for a while. And then they blew it open late. Won comfortably. And they've gotten a lot of mileage out of that. But the media polls didn't rank the leagues when they weren't playing. And then they kind of make you move your way up. So 3-0 USC is 19th. I don't think in normal years, not that this is anything close to normal, uh, 3-0 USC team would be 19. But they're 3-0 USC when other teams have played 7, 8, 9 games. What's the committee going to do with USC? What's the committee going to do with 2-1 Wisconsin? What is the committee going to do with 5-0 Northwestern and 4-1 Indiana? Is BYU battling those teams to get into the New Year's Six? 
You know, if you're seven or eight and you're all the way in, you might not be motivated to add another game. If you are 10, 11, 12, you absolutely should be motivated to add a game because just because you're there now doesn't mean you'll stay there. You don't play. You play San Diego State. You don't play again. Obviously, I haven't seen the numbers. I know what they're going to be. I think the numbers are going to show that BYU needs to play another game. And I suspect that Tom Homo has been working behind the scenes on this and has stuff lined up. And it's, uh, it's what we always hear about Dennis Lindsay. Don't have a plan. Have a plan A, have a plan B, have a plan C. To me, plan A is Cincinnati. That seems to me to be the most obvious game, the game where they could both be motivated to play. But hey, there's a chance Cincinnati has a lot of separation with all the other group of five teams and says, forget it, why risk a loss? You know, the top group of five team is guaranteed. Cincinnati may not be motivated. BYU has no guarantees. They got a shiny record, but they're not in a conference, so they got no guarantees. So I think the odds BYU is going to be motivated when the list comes out tonight are pretty good. Maybe not. Maybe I'll be surprised, and BYU will be six. <laughs> and that would, that would surprise me. I don't expect it. They're eight in the media poll. They're eight in the coaches poll. But if they were 10 or 11 with a selection committee, and I would not want to play one game in three weeks while other teams are playing big games and have them leapfrog me and say, yeah, BYU's good, but they just didn't play anybody. I wouldn't want to leave it in somebody else's hands. I'd want to schedule another game. Cincinnati's available on the 5th. So I think we've all looked at that and said, hey, that could really happen. There are some big 12 teams that are available on the 12th, and maybe they're thinking, hey, if we had one more quality win, we could get a second team into the New Year's Six. My guess is Tom's called those teams. The big, if you look, the Big 12 only has two games scheduled that day. Uh, they, got, they got six teams available. Well, one of their better teams want to play BYU. Uh, BYU would have to go there, it would add to their TV package for the Big 12 and make them money on top of that. So maybe the whole league could say, hey, you, you, you really ought to play. Um, that would make sense to me. Uh, the other teams like Coastal Carolina is undefeated, but they've already got games scheduled on those days. So that doesn't, that doesn't seem very likely. Uh, but the Oklahoma Sooners are not playing on the 12th, and they're on a roll after losing two games early. Now, maybe they just figured they're going to win the conference title, so why do they want to play another game? Or maybe they figure, we got it figured out now. We started some young guys, and we got it figured out now. Bring BYU in here. Let's knock them out of the mix for the New Year's, New Year's Six. All right, DJ and PK. Hey, one thing breaking here this morning, uh, Charlie Morton signed for a year and $15 million with the Atlanta Braves. Coming off a 4.74 ERA, we were talking how NFL people are shocked, stunned, amazed, and saddened that they make so little money in uh, comparison to what NBA players make. Really average players making... You know, six, eight, ten million dollars, fifteen million dollars. Guys playing poorly, making twelve million dollars or twenty million dollars. Charlie Morton coming off a four point seven four year. Now, before that, he had three great years, but man, he's mid moving into his late thirties now. I think he's thirty seven next year. All right, when we come back, football with Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach. His media availability this week will happen at eight thirty. We'll have it for you live right here on ninety seven five at twelve eighty the zone.